0: I'd like to invite you in a walk. There is a lot of pushback when you attempt to change the very way we learn things. One of the Blocks to using an ecological approach to teaching is rote repetition. People are preferentially attached to the way they learn things. There is a frequent observation among coaches who have embraced these more alive, more chaotic methods that a lot of people who were very successful in competition in the past may not be great at attributing the reason for their success. It's kind of echoed in the Ivy League selection processes where Apparently, the fact of having applied to an Ivy League school predicts future success almost as well or as well as getting into an Ivy League school. So there's a sort of selection process that happens. The elites, as it were, of whatever field, naturally want to go towards the programs that already have the most elites. And so it's not necessarily the way classes are taught or the way people are trained in those places so much as the fact that the best want to be there. And there's something similar in sports as well. It's kind of normal for coaches to act like diet Coke Zero versions of drill sergeants thinking that that works well to get people to perfect their technique in a static fashion by, you know, looking at a part of their game and repeating that game alone over and over, or doing push-ups or, you know, some sort of line drill where each, you know, you wait your turn and each person does a thing, and that misses the perception part, the timing part of the skill, which seems to me to be one of the most important things. I learned this from creating content or from saying things, right? I think we all have in that you might say something uh, and it won't have the same effect as when someone with more prestige says it or someone says it at a time when everyone else is saying it and so there's this thing about timing in startups it's it was once I think considered that the the first startup to execute an idea would do best but recent Research has suggested that That's not the case that sometimes second movers or third movers or tenth movers what have you do better and we can kind of see that in the Invention of motorized flight Right Uh, the, the Wright brothers looked at all their competition and previous designs before they came up with a design that worked. So, in in that sense, sometimes it pays to be later rather than, than first. And so there's something about timing there. Apparently, when a goalkeeper, a really skilled goalkeeper in soccer responds to an attacker on the enemy team trying to score a goal, it pays off for them to wait as long as possible before they react so that they have more information, so that they perceive the trajectory of the ball more effectively. And elements like that, elements of timing, are not trained in rote repetition. The context of what you're supposed to respond to is missing in the training. And a lot of school is like this, right? They they, they abstract parts away from a skill, decide that that skill is important and that the best way to teach it is to teach the parts without the original context, famously in arithmetic, which people have tried to get over by using word problems, but I tell you that word problems are probably not going to do it as well as a video game like Kerbal Space Program or even better a home project. Say you get together with a bunch of other kids every week uh, for water balloon fights. If one of you can figure out how to have some sort of water balloon artillery and you end up learning a little bit of math or, or basically reinventing arithmetic from first principles to try and make a or engineer a contraption that can accurately lob water balloons. That will be, you'll, you'll learn that skill more effectively that way. Learning by doing. But look around and you'll notice that most skills are taught now in a rote repetition manner. I am looking at it primarily through the lens of martial arts and combat sports because, well, Uh, It's the solo option I have available, I can test that on myself a little easily, though it's kind of hard without a training partner uh, that has bought into the paradigm. It's still much more possible than what I was originally reacting to, which is to say school and the military, when I realized that the force-on-force force training exercises that we were engaging in were switched to being scripted as soon as the staff officers got a result they did not want. Which is to say, if you have an op for team, a RED team, and the RED team does something innovative, they win, uh, and the staff officers are really upset because their best laid plans were, you know, proved useless. Uh, and so then they get mad and shift things a little bit and uh, pencil whip the results to change the results in their favor so that they prefer something that's more scripted. And a, a great example of this is uh, one of my mentors who was an E5 sergeant and a combat veteran um, just cut through. An entire battalion with five people. Uh, that that sort of thing is, you know, like, all he did was use basic, very basic insurgent tactics, but it was enough to, to cripple that battalion. Um, and that's the sort of thing that, as a staff planner, you might not like because it won't help your career, perhaps. Um, and it won't help your planning, and you are ostensibly there to plan. How do you plan for a situation that is chaotic? Instead of learning that, they uh, tend to script things. So anyway, that's my chip on my shoulder. That is where I'm coming from, but since I'm no longer in the military and have no way to affect that, I test it with martial arts and combat sports, but we can also see this in policy. We can also see this dramatically in school. People tend toward rote repetition. Uh, same thing goes for companies. You know, they 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 make you sit in front of these uh, videos, these lectures. Um, for sexual harassment or diversity and then you memorize a few things that you can select in a multiple-choice test and everyone checks the boxes and they go home and, then, and everyone's sort of happy with that and thinks of that as learning Or take language learning language Right, it's all about memorization Though, who learns a first language through memorization? You learn it by trying to do things, which is why uh, people do notice that there's a difference with learning through immersion or understanding, which is to say trying to figure out what changes and what doesn't change about the given skill. In the case of a language, what are the overarching patterns of grammar as it relates to the context of trying to do something in your everyday world or describing things that allow you to do things in your everyday world so anyway going up against all these proponents, these uh, methods, this doctrine of rote repetition is difficult so I kind of want to look at what rote repetition is good for so that we can understand where its place is uh, what its strong points are and what its weak points are and where we might need it And the situation I like to think about is the Seven Samurai situation for why you might need rote repetition. If you haven't seen the movie or one of the many, many derivative pieces of media that have come from the Seven Samurai, the plot is this there is a village. uh, A Bug's Life, by the way, is an example of of another movie that follows this plot based on, again, Seven Samurai Magnificent Seven Anyway, the plot is this there is a village or a group of uh, innocent civilian people who are being picked on their food, their resources are being taken whether it's by bandits or some enemy state, uh, there's not much of a difference between an early state and a group of bandits, as you might know from Tilly. Uh, early state formation as racketeering, uh, if my memory serves, is the paper, the famous paper in the 80s, in political science. Anyway. There's a group like that, right? A group of tough guys, with weapons uh, and muscle. And they find a town or village, and they ask them for some sort of tribute, some sort of payment, some sort of tax. And then a group of, a much smaller group than this large group of bandits or warriors or what have you. A smaller group that is extremely skilled at fighting comes by and teaches very quickly the villagers how to defend themselves and then there's an attack the villagers defend themselves lots of the uh, Heroes Die or something like that. Not all of them Uh, but the day is saved and all the heroes had to do was show the villagers that they had a fighting spirit by teaching them how to fight. So, I believe that that is exactly the best situation for rote repetition because if you have a group of people who are used to taking orders, let's say these are peasants, right? That's a long history of simply doing what you're told. Then. You know, putting them in enough chaotic situations within a 24-hour timeline, or a three-day timeline, or a week timeline, what have you, even even if they had like a month, um, is not quite enough to develop that confidence that would come from a long history of fighting all the time. So, what do you do? You give them a set series of moves. You give them answers to the problem. Uh, Solutions that you have come up with answers that you have come up with to the problem now in the long term You want to teach a man to fish right instead of giving them fish and This method is giving them fish it's not teaching them to fish But you would want to give someone fish if say they were starving and you had fish and you cared about them Uh, Or if they haven't learned to fish yet, and they're in the process of learning, then yeah, you you give them some fish to start with. In this situation, there's a time constraint. These people are not planning to become heroes or super samurais or um, gunfighters, whatever. They are peasants. They are, you know, they they just want to survive. And so in this context, yeah, give them... The moves, um, so that they can get the confidence, the false confidence, you can think of this almost like a, a placebo, that's what some, I think it was maybe a boxing coach that said, said this, like, it, it's kind of like a placebo, right, like it works sort of, it works faster, then uh, not having the answer at all or not looking like if you haven't found the answer yet it works for someone to give you the answer um, it's just that then without that person you might feel kind of helpless and if the answer doesn't work you're kind of fucked uh, but it's better than nothing so we have that situation And we can use that situation, the the Seven Samurai situation, to kind of look at the history of education, right, Uh, and the military draft. So in the past, while the people you hear about might have been dedicated to war, a great majority of people fighting would have been just some sort of... Working-class lower-class peasants what have you who are doing something else who they have some elite and that elite Calls them up to fight and is like okay we just need to get you ready to use you as cannon fodder of some sort or um, Cavalry fodder, right? Um, because it doesn't really matter if you have like 20 of the most skilled warriors. If if the other side has 2,000 guys with pointy stakes, uh, those 2,000 guys will win if they are determined. So then if you're someone leading an army or raising an army which would have been normal for people to do um, instead of states for, for the longest time until fairly recently, you know, like within the last 200 years, then you just need to get all these people and get them up to speed to do very very basic things Uh, move in this particular direction with this distance kept between you um, and then attack that's you know it's it's the simplest thing but as they say the simplest thing in war is extremely difficult So, for that context, if you want to give all these people a shared language or a shared series of movements that they can use to coordinate with each other, because remember, again, in the past there would have been more uh, cultural differences as well, from town to town, village to village, region to region, and so if they're all coming together, you kind of want them to be able to work together, Um, and so if you teach all of them the same, like, six or seven moves. Uh, you know eight or nine commands whatever then you can get those two thousand people to work somewhat like a single organism and this is a the huge problem for kind of the opposite method right like so when, whenever you have pastoralist societies or like the Uh, Native American warrior tribes there's a there's a huge issue with the with the young Braves the young warriors going off and kind of doing their own thing doing their own raids starting starting the skirmishes earlier Um, and, and that's an ongoing issue it's very like difficult for them without the the bureaucracy without the rote repetition to work together as a unit and uh, in the long run, it kind of doesn't matter how brave they are or how how effective they were uh, individually if they can only muster fifty people at a time against a organism that can muster twenty thousand people, right So that is another place where road repetition is useful. But if that part of the population that goes through that military training, it, you know, they, they get some sort of prestige from having been in the war-making party, in the military, uh, and then they come back to the rest of society and they're like, you know, we did the hardest thing, we beat these other guys, we beat the enemy, and this is how we did it. We used this, this method. And so then it kind of goes into the rest of society. Uh, and in the past when they trained scribes at some point, um, a lot of these scribes would have been lower class or slaves or, or younger brothers of nobility if they were nobility throughout the various civilizations. Um, then they're also in this situation where they're just trying to get people who can read and write out there as quickly as possible Uh, where they have common norms that they can coordinate on. So again, rote repetition is useful there. The school systems that we have today descended from Napoleon's school system, which is kind of part of the the effort to colonize France. Uh, So we think of France as this Singular entity, but there was a time when a lot of the rural rural areas had their own languages, had their own norms, um, and because the aristocratic court uh, took all the aristocrats and put them in one place, the king, the the, the regime at one point did that um, to monitor the nobles. It also meant that there was a a sort of independence with the peasants and so there was a sort of internal colonizing mechanism and one of the the methods in addition to mapping things was the invention of the public school. So if you have a bunch of tests then that's also another area that greatly benefits from rote repetition, because remember, a test is like a script. Um, There is a... Abstraction of what constitutes a skill Uh, Parts are are kind of taken away and we say that all these parts Constitute the skill and these parts can be tested and because it's easier to test them We can get people to kind of do what we want uh, More easily than if we were to give them a project or a general mission It's It would be difficult to have this sort of accountability that a modern bureaucratic management would want from the larger part of its population if you didn't have tests because then the only way to evaluate whether someone is doing something well is if you know what they're doing. Uh, and, and doing that is actually kind of more difficult than it might sound. Say, say you are um, a guy behind a desk and you want to evaluate if the potato farmer is lying to you or not. You kind of have to know a little bit at least. Like you have to Pareto optimize your knowledge of potato farming. Uh, and still then, given that he knows much more about potato farming than you... He can tell you whatever he wants. So then it comes down to the relationship. And maintaining relationships is actually quite difficult if you don't live next to someone all the time. And even then it's difficult, right? Like family is notoriously hard to get along with. Uh, So if you then fail to maintain that relationship, how can you actually evaluate what someone is doing? Because what they tell you they might be doing might not be what they're doing and often it it isn't what they're doing so in that situation it is beneficial to have tests uh, that then require rote memorization which then brings us to religion which is a method that we have used for thousands of years now to weave hundreds of thousands of people together. So without some sort of formal religion, what the anthropologist Harvey Whitehouse calls doctrinal religion, it's kind of difficult, if not impossible, to, to, to bring millions of people together. So you need this doctrinal religion, as opposed to imaginal, imaginal religion, I think. And you can sort of map this onto the Apollonian and Dionysian energies that Nietzsche describes, uh, where Apollo, uh, Apollonian um, maps onto doctrinal religion, and uh, Dionysian, maps onto imagistic, so it's not imaginal, it's imagistic religion and what that means is doctrinal religion, you have rituals that are very regular, so most of our modern religions are now all like this, right, because they they won, Um, they're very regular and they are low energy, so so think going to church or... um, Uh, lighting the incense to your ancestors or uh, putting the the cucumber in front of the the little god every day Um, things like that saying a prayer before you eat Um, and imagistic religion or imagistic ritual is when you I I guess religions kind of involve both Uh, though like I said modern religions are heavily on the doctrinal side of ritual, but imagistic ritual is like, you know, what you might see in small-scale societies with the uh, people dancing around a fire, doing something really dysphoric, like uh, cutting someone's uh, penis skin off when they're like 15, or doing tattoos, or or putting uh, ants on each other. or Uh, Sending someone out into the wilderness um, to sit all day in the same spot in the sun without any water or food. All those are examples of imagistic rituals. You could also say that the modern-day rave is is an example of an imagistic ritual. You know, you all get together. um, Orgies. Classic imagistic ritual. Possibly though you could probably do a doctrinal style orgy but that who who would get hard for that? I don't know. Um someone probably would. Um So one of the key aspects of the doctrinal ritual is that you repeat the same movements, the same phrases at set times like clockwork, right? So you need rote repetition for that. The oldest religious stuff we have is in the Vedas, the Rig Vedas specifically, and the way that survived is by having an unbroken lineage of people who are just memorizing the same songs for thousands of years. Um, And that brings us to another extremely valuable part of rote repetition which is to say, cultural preservation. And I think I got this from Standard Jiu-Jitsu. The coach of Standard Jiu-Jitsu points out that uh, a lot of katas, or martial arts forms, like learning a particular technique, is useful for having a snapshot. Oh, wait, wait, it was actually uh, Arena Weapon Arts in Austin, Texas um they they teach sword play, right uh in, in descended from historical european martial arts which was a reconstruction of the fecht books, the fight books, the uh fighting manuals of fencing masters. So they started with the forms the katas before they moved on to inventing modern competition formats more modern sport formats and in that case it becomes very clear that if you are trying to kind of see like what people were doing in the past or what has worked for people in the past in this context then the form the, the, the kata, the move, the, t- the technique that you do, your crescent kick or your, um, uh, your perfect armbar, whatever it is, your, your, your ox stance, those are snapshots in time of what worked for someone, or what someone did, or what a group did, and it might be a group you care a lot about. Uh, so in the same way that the, the Vedas had their bards sing those religious songs, those prayers, and because people have memorized that over time, we have access to that and we have an idea of our history uh, because of that road memorization. And so road repetition is extremely important for cultural preservation. And one of the things that uh, freezing that knowledge, that data, does is give us access to a bigger collective brain over time because now that we're connected to our more of our past because of that repetition we can build on it in a way right though obviously if you were a priest or something like that uh, because your job is to preserve the culture you might not be so great at building on the culture because Let's imagine you have a hard drive. You want your hard drive to keep the same state you left it in two weeks ago. If two weeks ago was the last time you accessed the data on your hard drive, you don't want it to kind of just like start adding things when you go away. So imagine you go away from your computer or your phone and then you come back and new things have been downloaded and software states have been changed and whatnot. Um, That wouldn't be Very useful to you. So a priest uh, kind of serves the function as a human cultural preserver in this case. And we can think of a lot of martial arts instructors and teachers in the same way. They're here to preserve information, data. They're not here to build on it or they wouldn't see their job as building on it. And so they might fight any attempt to build on it even though The the benefit of what they have done is for someone else to build on it So We kind of have Better ways to to do snapshots of things now Uh, one of the the great um, technological advances Has been the fact that we now all have video cameras in our pockets Which means You don't really need to like try to go back in time in your mind and try and figure out what your instructor did uh, at this one time to analyze how you might do better next time. You can simply take video of all your sparring sessions, for example, and get an idea of what was done at that time that way. There's no reason to culturally preserve things as much now that we have so many ways to record uh, what happened in a particular place in time. There's not as much need to memorize everything if you have access to a machine that does that way better, that is better designed for rote repetition than you. Uh, When I joined the army I noticed that a lot of my vocabulary just kind of disappeared and in its place I picked up a lot of like random data like random dat- random datum that was important for me in the field um, where I didn't really like use a phone um, but you know you needed to know how much gas a particular vehicle needed. Uh, what kind of ammunition a particular um, weapon used, uh, and things like um, calculating dosages for particular medications, like all those things uh, I definitely memorize um, while losing a lot of my vocabulary. And I think that was a reflection of what I was doing at the time, what I needed at the time. but. You know, you might walk into a clinic, and the doctor might be Googling something, and that's because the doctor has access to this larger brain, and part of it is uh, something that memorizes things for you, so you can, you're can you free to make the decisions. You're free to experiment and explore and push your skill further. Um, in the context where you don't have access to that, you don't have pen, and paper, you don't have a, a computer, then yeah, wrote wrote repetition. Um, plays, right? If you if you want to perform a play, which is a sort of uh, cultural preservation or speech, even. Um, that's been done many times before, or a song that's been done many times before with particular lyrics instead of building on the lyrics, then you do want to memorize the exact words. Uh, though, e- even in the act of memorization, if you look at the Art of Memory Wiki or, or some other place that gathers all the, the methods that people use to memorize things, you'll notice that it It's easier to memorize things when your method of memorization isn't rote repetition. Like when you are telling yourself a new novel story that is connecting things together um, to aid your rote repetition. So you're not using rote repetition to do rote repetition if you're doing things effectively. Uh, A lot of times, though, you know, for something like a play, again, the speed thing comes into, into Uh, the area. Like, if you give me maybe a year, right, I think I could probably understand the beats of the story and play through the beats of the story of a play enough to memorize uh, the words of that play. But most plays are done, you know, you, you prepare for them in a month and a half to three months to four months at most, and and so in that limited time frame the best you have is rote repetition. And so those are some of the things that I've found rote repetition useful for. I hope you didn't Memorize that because uh, I think we're put here to explore. The privilege of making decisions, of being free to make decisions and free to explore, is yours and it's mine